John chapter 19. John chapter 19. We're going to do something a little different today. I'm not going to give you. Uh, I'm not going to give you a lot of points. I'm not going to give you point one, point two. Uh, we're just going to sort of hammer one nail today, and uh, and so I won't be putting points up on the screens or anything like that. Um, just one one predominant thought that I want to try to share with you this morning. Something that God showed me. I honestly believe that I can tell you that I'm going to give you something today that I've I've never preached in 32 years since I've been here at Calvary, but I believe if you'll give me a good hearing, give the Lord a good hearing, I believe it's going to be a great, great blessing to your soul today. And so I want to talk to you about what you see on the screen there, the clothes of Christ, the clothes of Christ. Look, if you will, John chapter 19, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's word today. John 19, we'll begin in verse 16. We're going to be in John 19 again tonight as well, Lord willing, so hope that you'll be back for the service. A very, very special message. In fact, I'm going to start a uh, sort of a series out of John chapter 19, and at least for the, next, for the next four, probably the next four services, we're going to be studying John chapter 19. I'm going to give you something very significant out of John 19, and so I hope that you'll be back in the service this evening. John 19, verse 16, the Bible says, Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. I want you to notice the next couple verses. The Bible says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was woven without seam, woven from the top throughout. Then said they therefore among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. And I want to focus on those two verses. I don't think I've ever done that, but I want to focus on those two verses, verses 23 and 24. And I want to talk about the close of Christ today. And you may be seated and uh, just hang in there with me. Again, I'm just going to work my way through this outline. Not going to give you points today, just uh, uh, going to give you some, some thoughts. Uh, but boy, whatever you do, hang in there with us because I believe when we get to the end, this is going to make great sense and, and I believe it's going to be a great help to you the, uh, today. Father, we love you and uh, again, we're so glad to be here at Calvary and Father, what a great crowd here today too. We thank you for this great, great crowd and uh, Lord, so good to see so many visitors and uh, Father, we just appreciate your blessings. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the great songs that have been sung today by the choir, by the congregation, uh, by Miss Mandy and then Miss Hannah. And uh, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for, uh, Lord, your goodness and your blessing. 
Father, I pray now that you knit our hearts together as we learn something that I believe is going to be very, very helpful from the Word of God today. And Lord, I pray that you'd work through the live stream. God, I pray that you'd help all to go well. We plead the blood of Jesus over this service. And Father, most of all, we pray that Jesus will be glorified and we pray that souls will be saved and that the saints would be greatly edified today. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Lord, this is absolutely in your hands today. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. You know, I've read this story many times, and I'm sure that you have. I'm sure you have. Again, we're going to be in John 19 again tonight. In fact, I'll make mention of this tonight, but many, many years ago, I was in the service where it happened. I remember evangelist Tom Williams saying, Whenever your heart gets a little cold, run to John 19. I remember him making that statement. Never forgot that. That's been good night. That's been probably 40 years ago. And, uh, and I never forgot that statement. And I often do that. And I was reading in John chapter 19 the other day, and I'd never really thought about this part of the story, verses 23 and 24, which is really the stealing uh, these four soldiers uh, evidently, there were four because the Bible says they, they divided them into four parts. And, and they basically, they stole the clothes or what the Bible calls the vesture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the garments of the Lord. They, they took the garments of Christ. You say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. I never really gave that a lot of thought either. But, but uh, to be quite honest, this is a very important scripture. In fact, it's so significant that the Psalms prophesied it would happen almost a thousand years before it did happen. We find that in Psalm 22, verse 18, where the psalmist David, you don't have to, to turn there. I'm going to have you turn to several places in just a moment. But the psalmist David said in Psalm 22, verse 18, in what we call the Messianic Psalm, he said, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That's exactly what. Uh, uh, what the Bible was talking about here in the book of John, John chapter 19. And so a thousand years before the Lord ever came, this story of his garments being parted among the soldiers was prophesied to happen. Not only that, but I noticed that all four gospels reference this story. That's not always the case. Sometimes gospels will herald one story. Sometimes they'll maybe carry two. But we notice about this story where it talks about the clothes of the Lord Jesus Christ that all four Gospels mention this story. Matthew 27, 35, the Bible says, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots. And then in Mark chapter 15 and verse 24, and when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, whatever man should take. And then Luke 23 and verse 34, the Bible says, and they parted his raiment, and cast lots. And then, of course, what we read this morning, John 19, verse 24, they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but let us cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I was reading that this week, and, I, and this thought, uh, this thought just came to me. Never thought about this before. But I can see the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross. I can see them as they have taking his garments. And this tells me that there were some Roman soldiers, think about this, Calvary. There were some Roman soldiers somewhere who were wearing the clothes that once belonged to the Savior of the world. I never thought about that. 
I mean, I thought about them gambling. I thought about them dividing them up in four parts. I, I, I thought about all of that, but then I thought, you know what? After this, after this, maybe even days and days after this, there were some Roman soldiers who were wearing the clothes, wearing the very clothes worn by the Savior of the world. By the way, can I tell you something else? There's something else this story implies. It implies that they stripped our Savior of every thread of dignity. He didn't have his clothes on. They took his clothes off. Now, we don't talk about that aspect very much, but I think maybe we should. In fact, I studied this out, and I found out that typically when victims were crucified, usually on most, most, most times, they were crucified completely naked. Not one thread of clothes. Now, I know you see these pictures that uh, some Italian artist, you know, rendered that, uh, you know what, this is what he thought the crucifixion was like. And I'm going to be honest with you, nobody really knows what the crucifixion was like. Uh, and Jesus did not have one little trickle of blood, you know, coming down his forehead or, uh, you know, it wasn't anything like that. Isaiah said that his visage was so marred more than any man and we'll get into that maybe a little bit more tonight, but, uh, but, but not only had he been tortured and, uh, and taken advantage of, and yet now he hangs on the cross completely naked, unclothed. Now, there are some that debate, well, there was a loincloth, but I'm gonna be honest with you, nobody's really sure about that. And many seem to lean toward this, that probably, more than likely, when the Lord Jesus Christ hanged on the cross for you and hanged on the cross for me, he not only hanged there, in agony, but he hung there in absolute shame. We do know this. We do know the thing that he despised. Now, there were things that he disliked about the cross, but the Bible's very clear about this. The one thing that the Savior despised about the cross was the shame. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number two tells us that, that he despised the shame and yet he came. And so uh, we, we, we understand that. And so here the Lord Jesus Christ is hanging between heaven and earth with nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns in his head. His body has been beaten. He's been scourged with a cat of nine tails. And uh, he's literally dying. He's dying an awful, excruciating, which is where the word crucifixion comes from. He, he's dying an excruciating death. And now he's dying there in absolute, utter shame. Shame. By the way, church, that was shame you and I were supposed to suffer. Man, I, man, now you have to forgive me. This is just how my mind works. I'm reading that story. And I'm thinking about these soldiers that have walked away from the cross and they have a garment, or maybe later on they're wearing a garment that used to belong to the Savior. And I thought about this. I wonder, I wonder what size they were. I wonder what size the clothes were that they took. I wonder, was Jesus a big man? I believe he was a man. I believe he was a man's man. But I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. I wonder if he had a large frame or maybe the Lord Jesus had a medium frame. I, I'm not sure if, if he would have worn maybe an extra large back in this day and time or maybe a medium or, or something like that. I begin to think about that. I wonder what the size of the clothes were. And then I thought about this. I wonder if these clothes were hand-me-down. You know, Jesus was very humble. 
He's very simple, lived a very simple life. He said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. And so I began to think about these clothes that these soldiers took and I thought, I wonder if these were clothes that somebody, uh, you know, who loved the Lord came to him and said, you know, Lord, I love you. You've changed my life. And man, I've got too much to wear. And here, take these clothes and, and wear these clothes. And these are really, really nice. And, 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 wear, and so I, I thought, you know, I wonder if these clothes were handed down or maybe, maybe, maybe these clothes were clothes that he received maybe at a birthday party. Maybe, you know, when he was, uh, uh, maybe when he was turning, you know, 28 years old, Mary said, honey, I love you. And I, I bought a garment for you. I bought a coat for you. And maybe these were, were gifts that he had received from his family. And then I thought about this. I wonder what clothes, I wonder what color they were. We know they existed. Because they're gambling for his garments and so there's a Roman soldier somewhere that has the very garments that the, that the Savior of the world wore. And I thought, I wonder what color they, I wonder if they were purple. Purple would have been something worn by the rich back in that day, so no, they probably weren't purple. I wonder if they were scarlet or maybe brown. I feel sure a lot of people wore brown back in that day and time because they didn't have washing machines and they couldn't wash as often as, as we wash. And so they would, uh, they would wear fabric that was maybe a little lighter. I wonder uh, what color these clothes were. And then I thought about this. Since the Bible says the coat was woven, I wonder if it was woven of wool or cotton. You know, they tell us about 3000 BC, they begin to use cotton for clothing and so I thought, I thought, well, I wonder if those clothes that the Lord Jesus lost, I wonder if they were cotton. And I thought, no, 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 they're probably not cotton. I think probably they had to be wool because he was the Lamb of God. You say, preacher, you have a weird mind. Well, I know, but I'm just, I'm thinking about these things. And then I thought about this. I wonder if these clothes had a specific smell. My daddy grew up around my dad. My dad uh, used, usually always wore men in aftershave. Y'all remember that? Remember the old green men in aftershave? It wasn't terribly expensive at all. And that's what mom would always buy for him. That's what he wanted. And, and you'd go in daddy's uh, restroom and, uh, you know, he'd have his razor and toothbrush and he'd always have a, he'd always have a bottle of men and aftershave there. And when you got close to dad, dad had a smell. He, he, he had that men and aftershave smell. By the way, good, good uh, aftershave. And, uh, and dad, all, daddy always smelled like that. And I, and I thought, you know what? Oftentimes clothes have a tendency to take on the aroma of the one who wears them. And here's a Roman soldier somewhere. I don't know where he's at, but, but here's a Roman soldier that's now actually wearing a, a garment that was once worn by the Savior of the world. And I'm thinking, when he puts that garment on, when he slides that shirt over, over himself, when he, when he puts on those, those uh, trousers or whatever the case, the robe or whatever it may have been, uh, that tunic, I wonder if maybe he... Uh, it had a specific smell. And uh, by the way, the Bible does say that he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. And, uh, and I just, I, I begin to wonder, I wonder if these clothes had a, had a specific smell. Whatever the answer to these questions were, we know one thing. These soldiers were familiar with Jesus. I don't believe they ever forgot where they got these garments from. Now, it was just simple. I doubt that they would have came from Dillard's or Macy's. 
or Bloomingdale's. Uh, I'm guessing that they were probably simple, but I'm just thinking in my mind's eye, I'm just thinking that probably these soldiers never, ever forgot. Now, there were many things that they took from victims whom they crucified, but I really believe in my heart of hearts that these soldiers never forgot this simple little T-shirt or this tunic or, or, or whatever it was they took off the Savior. I really believe from then on, every time they put that garment on, they remembered They remembered exactly where it came from. They were familiar with Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. These soldiers, they were familiar with crucifixion. Rome crucified upwards of 500 Jews per day. Alexander Janius, back in 76 BC, ordered the crucifixion of 800 Jewish men in a single day. During the reign of Herod Quintilus Varus in 27 AD, ordered the crucifixion of 2,000 Jewish men in a single day. And during the reign of Titus in 81 AD, the Romans crucified over 500 Jews every single day on the walls of Jerusalem. And so these men were very, very familiar with crucifixion. They knew what it was to hammer a nail in a man's hand. They knew what it was to put a crown of thorns on someone. They knew what it was to strip a man naked and put him on the cross. They knew what it was. Are you listening to me, Calvary? They were familiar with crucifixion, but they never, ever crucified anybody like this. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sure they were very versed in the methods of crucifixion. But they never crucified anyone like this. What do you mean, preacher? Because the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his ears is done. So he openeth not his mouth. First John chapter three, verse 16 says it like this. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. These soldiers, I believe, this, these soldiers were used to dragging victims to the cross, kicking and screaming. They knew what was ahead. They knew they were about to die, and so they fought with every inch of their life, and they were used to dragging these men and laying them down by force on the cross and nailing those nails in their hands and nailing those nails down in their feet, and all of a sudden, on this certain day, they don't drag this one. He comes on his own accord. They don't have to force his arm down. He lays it down. Come on now. They don't have to force his feet and nail those nails through his forced feet. He lays his life down. You see, friend, Jesus didn't have to die. Jesus chose to die. John chapter 10, verse 17, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself and I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Friend, Jesus Christ laid down his life on that day. You see, this was different. This was different. Other men screamed and cursed, profaned, used profane language and blasphemed and cursed Rome and cursed the Roman Caesar and cursed the Roman soldiers, cursed those who who victimized them and abused them. And on this day, there's something different on this day. He lays his life down on this day. He lays his arms down on this day. He doesn't curse on this day. He doesn't profane on this day. He doesn't blaspheme. In fact, the Bible says that he's silent like a little lamb. 
You see, I don't believe that these soldiers ever forgot. From that day on, every time they reached for that garment, they remembered. Are you with me, church? They remembered. Oh, yes. I remember that fellow. I remember that one that we crucified on the cross of Calvary. Hear me out. But like so many, these soldiers totally missed why Jesus died. Jesus did not die so we could wear his physical garments. Jesus died so we could be clothed upon with his spiritual garments. His personal righteousness. Now I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and, and turn to the book of Isaiah. And I want to show you a few verses in the book of Isaiah this morning. And, and oh, listen, hang in there with me, church. It's going to be a blessing to you in just a moment. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number 6. Jesus Christ died for you and Jesus Christ died for me. Not so we could wear a tunic, not so we could wear a robe, but Jesus Christ died for you and Jesus Christ died for me so he could give us those spiritual garments of righteousness to wear. You say, well, uh, Brother Pope, why, why, would I need, uh, why would I need his garments of righteousness anyway? I mean, why do I need to be clothed upon with his righteousness? Well, look what Isaiah says in Isaiah 64 and verse number 6. Isaiah said, but we are as uh, are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses. Did you see that, church? All our righteousnesses are as, what are they as? Filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now, I know I just taught this in Sunday school, but, but let me just say uh, 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 something here real quickly for those that weren't in Sunday school. Do you know what Isaiah the prophet was talking about when he talked about those unrighteous, those filthy rags? Back in this day and time, there was a dreaded disease of something called leprosy. Leprosy. It was a, a disease of the tissues. And lepers, when they contracted that horrible, horrible disease, they were excluded from society. They were put off into a leper colony because they were, uh, people were afraid to be around them, that they might catch them. It usually called blind, caused blindness, and sometimes their ears would fall off, and at times their nose would rot and fall away, and they would lose their fingers and sometimes their extremities, and sores would break out all over their bodies, and, and those sores would ooze and run, and so those lepers would take rags and they would wrap up those putrid sores and they would leave like, like you do a band-aid and they would wrap up that sore and after a while it, that, that rag, are you following me? That rag would become so defiled. It would become so, it would become so saturated. You say, preacher, you're gross. No, I just want you to understand something. It would have become so saturated with that, that defilement and that pus and that they would take that rag off and they would discard it. And Isaiah the prophet said, you want to know what your righteousness is? Your righteousness is just like those filthy rags that comes off that leper sore that he they finally gets so, so putrid that he has to discard it. That's what your righteousness is like. You say, preacher, I think I'm pretty good. I think I'll make it. You're not going to make it. I'm telling you, you're not going to make it in your own righteousness. You're, you're not good enough to go to heaven. You, you've fallen short of the glory of God. And Isaiah said, our righteousness is as those filthy rags. Not only that, but I want you to turn back a few pages. Look at Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, look at verse number two. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but look what the prophet Isaiah tells us. In Isaiah 59, verse number two, 
He says here, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You say, preacher, are you trying to tell me that my righteousness will never get me to heaven? That's exactly what I'm telling you. I mean, in loving, listening, Christian love, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I wish I could tell you you're good enough to make it, but you're not. By the way, neither am I. Neither is anybody else. If you're depending on your own goodness, if you're depending on your own good works, if you're depending on your, uh, your social activism, your community activism, your, uh, your, you know, you're a part of some group that feeds the hungry and, and cheers the sad and cares for those that are cold. By the way, none of those things are wrong, but I'm just telling you that, that in and of yourself, there's nothing that makes you worthy of going to heaven. And the prophet Isaiah went on to say that because of our sin, our sin has caused us to be separated from a holy God. Follow this now. All oh, this and follow this. This is, man, this is, this is gonna help you. This is gonna help you this morning. But if we will allow Jesus to close, clothe us with his righteousness, we can have eternal life. Now, you're still on Isaiah? All right, turn to Isaiah 61. Isn't it amazing how Isaiah 59 talks about the problem of our sin? Isaiah chapter 64 talks about the problem of our righteousness. But Isaiah 61 tells us what the remedy is. Isaiah 61 verse number 10. He said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Here it is, church. Hang on now. For he hath, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Man, I ought to get an amen right there. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Listen, boy, aren't you glad that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you know what he does? He takes his garment of righteousness and he clothes you. He clothes you in his righteousness. You say, preach, that's Old Testament. You're right. Thank God for the Old Testament. But let me show you the New Testament. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And look, if you will, at verse number 8. Philippians chapter 3. Oh, yes. Philippians chapter 3. Verse number 8. Look what Paul the Apostle says to this church. He says in verse 8. Philippians 3 verse 8. Yea, doubtless. Man, I like the way he starts. Yea, doubtless. You know what Paul's saying? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Look at verse nine. He said to me, found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I wanna tell you what, man, I'm about to have a spell right now. You say, preacher, how are you and I gonna make it to heaven? I don't know about you, but I'll tell you how I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it because I have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, listen, church, Jesus didn't come so you could wear his physical clothes. And by, by the way, let me just say this. Jesus didn't come necessarily so you could be physically fed or physically nurtured or physically warmed. Jesus Christ came because you had a desperate need and I had a desperate need. And thank God when you put your faith in him, he clothed you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're done, but I want you, I want you to turn to, to Revelation 19. Revelation 19, you say, preacher, what's heaven going to be like? Well, let me tell you what it's not going to be like. Revelation 19, it's not going to be a bunch of braggarts in heaven saying, let me tell you how I made it. I made it because I was the best Baptist of all the Baptists that were ever a Baptist. Let me tell you how I made it. I made it because, man, I was the best daddy, best mama, I made it because I was a good old boy. No, no, no. Look what he says, Revelation 19 and verse number six. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. Look at verse eight. And to her, <laughs> come on now, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. You say, Pastor, what's that talking about? Well, aren't you glad the verse doesn't end right there? For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And the Bible's talking about that righteousness that's been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen to this. I go to my mailbox, hypothetically. I go to my mailbox, I open my mailbox, I pull out an envelope, and this envelope looks different. You ever, you ever, okay, have you ever received some kind of a stationery and you think, man, this looks expensive? You know, there's difference in there. There's a difference in a Walmart cheapo envelope and somebody that puts a little money into it. And so I, I pull this envelope out. And I'm thinking, man, this looks nice. I mean, this looks like linen, linen or something. Wait a minute now. Not only that. But on this inscribed, on this envelope is a coat of arms. It's got the raised seal. You know what I'm talking about? A coat of arms. It says London, England. Birmingham Palace. Whoa. Man, I, I open it up and there's a letter inside and, and this is what it says. The queen requests your presence. She wants to meet you, greet you, and spend a little time with you. Wow, the queen. The queen wants to meet with me. Well, I look in the same mailbox, there's another envelope. I pull that envelope out. This envelope, all, also very fancy. It's got a coat of arms on there. It's also from London, England. I open it up, and in this envelope are some requirements to coming to meet the queen. Now, the first envelope was an invitation. The second envelope was requirements. And in that letter, in that second letter, it says something like this. The queen requests your presence, but you will need to come arrayed in a suit that's at least 
that's been tailored by the finest tailor in London, England. I think, what? 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 Listen, I mean, probably the, probably the finest suit that I own probably doesn't cost 150 bucks. And I'm thinking, 10,000? You want me to wear a suit that's $10,000 in order to get in to see the queen? I'm thinking, there's no way. What am I, how, how am I going to reach $10,000? I mean, I, I, I mean, this is crazy. This is cra- there's no way I can do this. And, and I'm thinking, well, oh, well, I guess I'll never meet the queen. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. I pick up my phone. I say, hello. And a voice on the other end says, you don't know me, but I know you. And I also know, boy, somebody better bar the door. I'm telling you, I'm about to take a lap. You don't know me, but I know you. And there's something else I know. I know that you've been invited to go into the presence of the queen. And I also know a little bit about that. I know that you're going to have to have a $10,000 suit in order to be ushered in there. And I know you don't have $10,000. And I know you can't buy a $10,000 suit. But, 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 I just happen to have a $10,000 suit. And it will fit you perfectly. And he says, would you want it? I said, man, I want it. I want it. Man, that thing gets delivered to my house. Wow. Brother, this isn't a JCPenney special right here. Man, oh man, this is nice. I mean, I put that $10,000 suit on. I walk into Birmingham, you know, into the the palace there, and uh, I show them my invitation. They look at my suit. They say, yeah, you've definitely got the suit on. Come on in. And uh, now, wait a minute now. I'm getting ready to walk into the gate. I'm getting ready to go to see the queen. And all of a sudden, I hear some commotion. I hear somebody say to the guard, but I have an invitation. I have an invitation. And I hear the guard say, I know you have an invitation, sir, but you need more than the invitation. You need the suit. And he begins to scream, but I have an invitation. Don't you understand? I have an invitation. I want to see the queen. I have an invitation. He said, I know you have an invitation, but you don't have the suit. And wait a minute now. I can look over to that man and I can say, that's pathetic. That's pathetic. I can't believe that man right there would think that he could get in to see the queen and that shabby bunch of... And then I remember, I didn't pay for this one. (laughs) You see, I had nothing to do with this suit. You see, if it was up to me, I'd be cast out as well. But thank God he called my name, amen? And he said, you've been given an invitation and I know you can't provide for the suit, but I've got a suit I'll provide for you. And thank God, 42 years ago, he clothed me in his righteousness and because of that, I'm telling you, I am on my way to heaven. Aren't we having a good time in the Lord's house this morning? Hey, I want to ask you a question. Have you been clothed in the suit? No, I'm not talking about the suit, this $10,000. I'm talking about the suit of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. 
Interesting story, and I'm done. We have several law enforcement or former law enforcement in this room this morning. You'll appreciate this story. March the 4th, I'm sorry, March the 5th, 1994, Deputy Sheriff Lloyd Prescott was uh, at the local library there in Salt Lake City, and he was to teach a class that day to police officers, uh, some type of a class that they were taking, and he was going to teach it. And he noticed that while he was waiting on those officers to get there, he just happened to step out in the hallway. And when he stepped out in the hallway, he noticed that there was a, uh, there was a, a, a fella in the library with a gun that had taken 18 people hostage and was rounding them up in a room. And so Officer Prescott, just in, the, in a moment of time, made a split-second decision and stepped out into the hallway where he could be seen And he became the 19th hostage. But that hostage taker took him back to that room as well. And then when he got him barricaded in that room, the hostage taker began to tell them exactly the order that he was going to execute each of the hostages. And Officer Prescott identified himself as a deputy sheriff. He drew his service revolver and he fatally killed the man. And every one of those 18 hostages went free. You say, preacher, what does that have to do with anything? Officer Prescott went into that room in plain clothes. He didn't have his uniform on that day. He just went there in plain clothes, looking like everybody else, but ended up saving everybody in that room. Did you know that God came to this earth in plain clothes? (laughs) He didn't come in pomp and circumstance. By the way, he is coming that one day like that. He didn't come with a silver spoon in his mouth. He came to a manger. He came where there were donkeys and camels and and there were sheep and uh, Jesus Christ came. God came in plain clothes and thank God he identified himself with people that were taken hostage by Satan. And thank God there on the cross of Calvary, he killed the hostage taker. And thank God, if you're willing today, he'll give you his suit of righteousness today. There may be somebody here this morning. You say, preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. I mean, I want to think I'm going. I hope I'm going. I I, I, want to go. But I'm just not sure I would go. Let me tell you what you need. Friend, desperately, this is what you need. You need the suit. You need the suit. Today, you need to come, you need to fall on this altar today, and you just need to say something like this, Lord, I believe. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you paid the price for my my sin. I understand how you were shamed and mocked and ridiculed and uh, and tortured, and you did all that to save my soul. I believe that you came out of the grave, and right now, I want you to clothe me with, with your suit. I want you to clothe me with the righteousness of Christ, and he'll do it. Will you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. A couple questions. I wonder how many are in this room right now and you would say, Pastor, if I were to die today, January the 7th, 2024, I know that 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 I know I have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not a doubt 
Doubtless, like Paul said, doubtless. If you know that, I want you right now just to slip your hand up as a testimony. I know that I've been born again. If that's you, you just slip your hand up. Preacher, I know, I know. Hallelujah. You can lower your hands. But I want to ask a second question. Who's here today who would say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. You see, if I died today, boy, I hope I'm going to heaven. But Pastor, I'm not sure I've got the suit. Preacher, I'm not sure that I've been clothed in his righteousness. I'm just not sure. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Pastor, I'm not sure about heaven. I'm just not sure. I want to go. I hope I'm going, but I'm just not sure. And I want you to pray. Pray with me. Pray with me right now. I'll not pray for you by name, but I want to pray with you. And you'd say, Preacher, that's me. Here's your hand. Just slip up your hand right now. Raise it up right now. I see that hand. Who else? I see that hand right there. Who else? Who else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I have the suit. I don't know that I've been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If I were to go to, if, if I were to die today, I'm not sure about heaven. I see that hand right there. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, let me pray for you. I want to pray for you. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I see a hand right back there. Anybody else? Anybody? Have you got the suit? Anybody else? Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Some of you are looking at me. The Lord's dealing with your heart. I can tell he is. You're looking at me. And I appreciate your honesty. We've had some little ones raise their hand. We've had some that are a little older raise their hand. You know, there's some of you here this morning. I'm talking about teenagers. I'm talking about folks that are past your teens. Don't you think it's time to start thinking about salvation? Don't you think you've waited long enough? Don't you think you've, don't you think you've chanced it? for a little too long would you let me pray for you today is there anybody else you'd be honest right now just slip your hand up I'm not going to embarrass you I just want to pray for you anybody else anybody else so would you do us a favor would you stand this morning Father I want to say personally thank you for this message Lord it's helped me I am so glad that I have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I don't deserve it. I couldn't afford it. It was way too expensive. There's nothing I could do to earn it. Lord, I'm so thankful for that day, though, that you showed me my lost condition and you showed me what you had done for me. And that day, Lord, I just opened my life to you and I allowed you to come in. And Heavenly Father, you did, you did all the work. I didn't do anything. You did, you did it all. And you clothed me in the righteousness of your Son. Father, I pray for these that have raised their hands this morning. God, I pray that you would give them understanding. And I pray that here in just a moment they would come and let us take a Bible and show them how they can know that they know that they're going to heaven when they die. So Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Please, please, please. We plead the blood of Jesus over this invitation.
And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We have some personal workers in the altar, somebody up here with a Bible. And if you're here this morning and you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved, would you slip out right now? Just wherever you're at, wherever you're at, just slip out and come down here and find one of these folks with a Bible. Just find them and let us take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven. You hear this morning and say, Pastor, I have been saved. I know I've been born again, but I haven't followed in believer's baptism like I ought to yet. Uh, Why don't you come today? Make yourself a candidate for baptism. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, we feel that it's God's will that we join with this local body. God's been speaking to us about that. And we want to do that today. Or maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I didn't mean to let it happen. But I sort of lost my way. I lost my joy. And I sort of got away from the things of the Lord. But I want to make my way back. I want to come back to the will of God. And so we're going to pause just for a few moments. If you need to come, altars are open. You don't have to pray with one of these men necessarily. But if, if we can help you, we're here. You come today. While we wait, you come this morning.